0: And it says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Good morning, everyone. After all these years of being a Christian and walking with the Lord, I shouldn't be amazed by it anymore, but I still am always amazed at how the Holy Spirit arranges things and arranges themes and so on, and in the uh, children's story this morning, we're talking about the dog and his master, uh, Sully and his master, and the song I'm going to sing you this morning is about our master. Many of you maybe can remember the day that you gave your life to Jesus. You may not know the date, maybe you do, but you might remember the experience, what you felt, what you were experiencing at that time. But I guess my prayer, my hope is this morning that it wasn't a a one time meeting that you continue to meet with your master every day. And the song I'd like to sing this morning is called Then I Met the Master.
1: Like a babe when it cries for its mother. Like a child, I was helpless alone. Then I met the master. Now I belong to him.
2: Things
1: are changed when he found. Me, a new day broke through all around me. For I met the Master, now I belong to him. Like a blind man who walks. In the darkness I had longed I had searched For the light Then I met The Master Now I walk No more in the night He broke through all around me, for our things are changed when He found me, for I met the master.
3: church I was just sitting there uh, singing the words that have held me up for quite a few months in a little while we're going home and my first experience in an Adventist church was this church and it feels like home coming back every time so thank you for making it still feel like home today we're going to talk about uh, three types of of peace. And I. before I start, I just want to make sure that everybody can see this. From where you're sitting, can everybody see this? <clears throat> so, inner peace. Inner peace is the peace that we have with ourselves. If you look left and right in the pew... You're on a horizontal plane. That's horizontal peace. It's the peace that you have and maintain with others. Then there's vertical peace, and that's the peace that we have with God. Kind of like this vertical beam right here. Please turn with me to Matthew 19 Matthew 19 verses 16 to 22. which man is asking Jesus which commandments he had to obey in order to receive eternal life. Jesus mentions six, involved with how others are treated. Much of Jesus' teachings focused on two relationships, the vertical relationship that we have with him and the horizontal relationships, in other words, relationships with others. And I would just like to comment on what Steve said about how the Holy Spirit works the message. Because when we did our study this morning, this was the topic, and this was the topic that moved me to bring to you. What's in a person's heart will show in how that person treats others. In other words, if we truly love and serve God, it shows in our compassion, generosity, and prayer life for others. And it's interesting in this verse, that Jesus mentions the commandments about relating to others rather than the ones that focus on how to relate with God. Now, perhaps it's because the face-to-face relationship you have with others might be a little harder than maintaining a spiritual relationship with a loving God. So let's explore this in a little more detail. Matthew 19 Verses 16 to 22. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. And give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Adam and Eve were given commandments in the garden. We heard... In Genesis 1, 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Adam and Eve were to be the parents of the human race. Genesis 2, 16-17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So here's a commandment to avoid eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We were talking about inner peace, horizontal peace, And vertical peace. In this moment, Eve is struggling with inner peace. Her inner conflict with her inner peace allowed her to be deceived by Satan. If you turn to Genesis 3, uh, verse 13, Genesis 3, verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So Eve had a conflict with her inner peace. It allowed her to be deceived by Satan. And she broke the commandment not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She had become subject to consequence. She would surely die. In the Garden of Eden, which God had created, Scripture tells us it was very good. Was there any negative thing that God created in that time if it was very good? Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So most certainly, Scripture says it was very good. So let's answer this. When Eve had a conflict with inner peace, what did Genesis 3.13 say about who put it there? Who put that voice in her head? She was deceived by the serpent's voice in her head. It was not her voice to eat and sin. It certainly was not God's voice. Now continuing our study, Adam and Eve had a relationship, correct? In relationships, there are conflicts as we are tempted again by sinful ways and thoughts put in our heads by the same serpent that deceived Eve. He's the only one to create that negativity. So Adam is tempted to stay with Eve because of that horizontal relationship and is put in a bind by thoughts racing in his head to act within the relationship he has with Eve, the horizontal relationship of peace, and disobey God, going against the vertical relationship with God. When the Garden of Eden was created, there was peace with God, or it would not have been deemed very good. A voice from Satan wanders into Eve's inner peace. Now listen carefully and follow this it wanders in to deceive her. She has a choice, does she not? Does she act on it? We know that she does. And she disobeys God, and it causes a conflict, not just with her inner peace, but with horizontal peace with Adam. So there's biblical proof that our horizontal peace and our inner peace inside of us are dependent on our loyalty to vertical peace with God. You wake up in the morning, you have doubt, anger, anything negative in your head? Is that your voice? Is it God's voice? Whose is it? We're going to continue our study. Adam was faced with a choice like Eve. Was he to lose his wife, or was he to disobey God, partake of the fruit, stay with Eve? We know which decision he chose. Did the voice of negativity speak to him or through someone else? Now, is it possible today that that same voice that spoke to Eve to deceive her and then deceive Adam... Could it happen today to us that the devil could use someone or something close to us to draw us away from our vertical relationship with God? We may ask why Adam didn't just counsel with God before making such a momentous decision, but we know what he chose. His vertical peace with God and Eve's vertical peace with God were altered by their free will to choose to listen to which voice. This debilitated their inner peace within themselves and ultimately the horizontal peace with one another, leading up to destruction of vertical peace with God. So what choice does God have but to love us so much that he knows the plan for our salvation is to send his only son to us to spread his arms open wide? Where does he put them? Open wide. We had vertical peace with God, but because of listening to a negative voice, it leaves him with no other choice but to send his only son. He spread his arms open wide on the cross for the transgressions of a human race, and their inability to listen to his voice instead. Had there not been a conflict with Adam and Eve listening to a voice that was not their own and a voice that was deceitfully from the serpent, would we have needed this? Would we have needed Jesus to die on the cross for our conflicts with others and ourselves? Think about that question. Had there not been a conflict with Adam and Eve listening to a voice in their inner peace, leading to sinful actions among themselves, altering horizontal peace, would Jesus have had to come to a rescue and spread his arms out horizontally for us. I want you to take a look at that horizontal bar on that vertical bar because maybe you'll come to the realization that I had because I had never looked at the cross that way before until a personal walk with the Lord this last year. And I can no longer look at it without thinking about how important it is for me to maintain not only my relationship with God so that my inner peace is not disturbed enough by false ideas and negative voices that's certainly not my own, certainly not from God. And I certainly can't allow it to be a stumbling block for people to my left or right. It would ultimately cost me a lot. A salvation, perhaps, perhaps the salvation of loved ones. And it would be the equivalent of saying, This was all in vain. I really hope and pray, church, that it sinks in for you like it sunk in for me this year. That when I wake up in the morning and I stand up and put my feet down, I am in a vertical stance, and that is the first thing I'm going to do in the morning is stand up and remind myself that I have a vertical relationship with God that trumps anything that's going to happen today. So what's the secret to avoiding that repeat performance of Adam and Eve? Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is where? Stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. This verse proves peace does not originate from inner peace. Peace does not originate from horizontal peace. It can only begin with the perfect peace with God. Vertical peace with God is the key to holding your inner peace and your horizontal peace with others in check. Inner peace begins the moment you choose not to allow another person or situation or event to control your emotion. This last year, that event word was most difficult for me. It really tried. Boy, did that serpent try. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my husband passed last year. The book of Revelation clearly states, we are going to go through tribulation. But will you allow an event, a person, a situation, a thought, to control your emotions that cause you to lose this? Will you allow naysayers and mockers who do not love on you with a Christ-like love to affect your inner peace or your vertical peace with God? Were there naysayers when Jesus walked? What then is the secret to inner peace? Vertical peace with God is the secret. Satan is no match for God. Amen? Amen. So, if Satan's no match for God, and you stand up and you say, this is the most important part of my day right now, do you think he's going to come after that? Is he any match for God? So if you're in direct alignment with him, he could try, wouldn't be very helpful, wouldn't be effective. So what's he going to do? He's going to do what he did to Adam and Eve, and he's going to do the same thing now. When you're focused on God and vertical peace, or focused on how you feel and conflicts with other people and busy schedules, which one do you think he's going to go after? So guess what? The devil will attempt daily. He's going to whisper in that morning when you're not feeling well because there's been an event. He's going to say, you might as well stay in bed because you're not going to be effective when you're this sad. He's going to tempt you with things that feel good because you're not feeling well right now. He can throw negativity at your inner peace, but if you wake up every day... Pray and stand vertically upon your feet. Declare with that prayer, I am in direct alignment with God's plan for me. It does not matter what you whisper to me, say to me, do to me, throw at me. You will know it is not your voice if it's negative. It is most certainly not God's voice, as he makes only very good things. You will be empowered to cast that lie aside. The path to the cross shows us how far God will go to call us back. Don't trust your feelings without first trusting the cross. Sometimes we have a tendency to pick back up mistakes of the heart, perhaps a guilty conscience. But God isn't angry with you, He's already dealt with your mistakes right there on that horizontal beam, on that cross. He loves you. He hates sin, but he dealt with it. Now let him love you. It does not matter, church, what you have done. Let him love you. We are welcome in God's presence. Let's turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 57. Matthew 27, verses 50 to 57. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Thanks to Jesus, there is no more curtain or barrier between us and God. Do you, do you know that his garment was sewn from top to bottom, like the curtain? Christ, without guilt, took our punishment to rid us of our guilt. So why are you walking around with it? You were freed thanks to Jesus on that horizontal beam. Today in our study, we actually said this word, and it's printed in the message that spoke to me, so it must be something for us to hear today. The word reconcile, it's Greek. It means to render something otherwise reversing it to its original state. Christ has reconciled the world to himself. He has restitched the unraveled, rekindled your passion, and reversed rebellion. Have you ever noticed someone taking their burdens to the Lord, laying at the altar, only to pick it up again later? You came once, you put guilt down at the altar, and then it came back and you just picked it up. You came once and put anger down at the altar, and then later you found yourself walking around with it again. Perhaps pride got in the way. Well, pride says, You're too good for God and you don't need Him. Pride's lie comes from Satan. Shame says, You're too bad to be wanted by God. Look at all you've done. He's not going to want that. Shame's lie comes from Satan. If pride is what goes before a fall, shame might be what keeps you there. Folks, it is long overdue to take all those burdens to the Lord and this time leave it there. It is the only way to inner peace. If the Bible's called the good book, it's not because the people were always good. The evil of the beast was never so raw as the day Christ died. Adam and Eve sinned, people sin today. People sometimes elevate themselves at the expense of others. Do not be fooled that we are not prone to listen to that negative voice and act sinfully still. You don't have to answer these out loud. Have you ever gossiped or thought about it? Have you ever slandered or thought about it? Anybody blast high beams on another car at night? Anybody speak in anger or revenge, even if under your breath or when you walked away? Anger is born in the house of sadness. Do not let your sadness fester because it will leave that house as anger. Matthew 25, 40 says, I assure you. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. How many of you want to come up here and put the... I'm not saying that I haven't sinned by any means. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying it sickens me that I do. It sickens me that I am tempted to listen to that negative voice. How we treat one another is how we treat Jesus. And the fact remains, something beastly continues to affect us all even to the point of vocalizing phrases. Have you ever heard this? What got into her? What got into him? While we were yet under a curse, Jesus put himself in our place and he took all of it. Not once did he use supernatural powers for his own comfort. Oh, I happen to have a sleep number bed. I like comfort. I even know my sleep number. But how far to uncomfortable are we willing to go to advance the gospel? I did not have a very good year. There were good days and bad days. But all of those days were God days.
2: Amen.
3: Genesis three seventeen to 18. Genesis 3, 17 to 18 states... A curse on the ground was thorns, the product of sin. What was the crown on our Savior again made of? So in Genesis three seventeen to 18, to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Jesus took off his crown of heaven, did he not? And he replaced it with a crown of thorns for you. I like looking at words and applying them to scripture. This says, soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Scripture, observation, take it in, apply it, and then pray about it. Psalm 51:10 says it's time to create in me a clean heart. Church, are you ready for a deep cleaning? Have you prayed about something as much as you talk about it? Have you prayed about something as much as you talk about it? Everybody has friends. Tell me the first thing that happens when something good or bad happens or you hear something. What's the first thing you do? Call who? Neighbor, friend, relative? You'll never guess. Guess what I heard. Gossip is destructive to horizontal peace. We should strive to pull people toward peace rather than to let them pull us into their storm. When you hear someone gossiping, guess what I heard? Try to remind them. Have you prayed about it? Oh, sis, i got to talk to you about something. I... I saw this in the newspaper, I'm like, oh, maybe we should pray about it. Come with me. Interrupt the gossip and invite them to pray. Matthew twenty one, twenty two states, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The church that understands true worship will love one another before one another, pray with one another, hold each other into prayer. Be united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because horizontal peace involves relationships with others and the degree of conflict that we allow to exist in that plane. That horizontal plane for horizontal peace is still within the devil's playground. So guess what? He's going to come at it. You should expect him to come horizontally into your life to try and knock out that horizontal peace. He's going to make you busy at work. He might make you think, I'm doing a lot of good work right now, so I can't get home. But maybe there was something at home you needed to get home for. We have read about it in biblical times and we see it now. There is destruction. There is war, conflict, divorce, division, endings of relationships in and out of church even. Words like blame and shame That is not in God's seven creation days. Man's actions created words like that by listening to a voice that was not God's and was not theirs. It's time for a heart check. Asking yourself to search your hearts and your past behaviors today its not an attempt to make you feel bad. That's not what I'm trying to do. It's an attempt to share what I've been thinking about and needing to do myself. If I allow the devil to whisper negativity to me, I'm going to breathe that out everywhere I go. And then there'll be a notion that I'm unworthy or I fall deeper into the wrong direction of where I need to be to be useful for God. I took a trip recently to Tennessee, and I thought it was to visit my three-year-old granddaughter. But on the way, a friend of mine said, Why don't we stop and see the ark? It was the most amazing thing that I have seen in a very, very long time. And there was a statement on the wall that struck me. Lots of statements on the Ark. I recommend you go. It explains answers to questions. But this one, I stopped and stared at a long time. And it was probably one of the shortest ones. And everyone died except the eight people in the Ark. Eight. when God orders something to be done for the glory of his name he is both able and willing to find the needed individuals for the work and the means required are we ready to do the work and are we ready to trust God's provisions for that storm even if not everyone we know and love Will follow. We cannot be ready if we're distracted by trivial matters of life that the devil crafts to look bigger. We cannot be ready to trust God if we waste our time and energy trying to stick our hands and even noses where they don't belong while keeping our hands in our pockets. If our ears are filled with the devil's message of impossible, how can you expect to hear God's message saying, I made possible? Today we have fancy beds, right? We have microwaves. We have instapots, instant gratification. You don't even have to get up anymore to turn your TV on. I don't recommend it with what's been on it lately. But what stress number, forget comfort level, what stress number are you willing to go for him in his salvation of others? Today we have so many methods that the devil uses for instant gratification, We try to speed up our happiness. I should feel happy today. And that's where the devil leads you astray. But I have learned from my trip to Tennessee that the best grits cannot be made instantly. Neither can gratification of greatest joys that are yet to come in Christ Jesus. Many people believe they can wait for peace when the truth is you need to push. You need to pray until something happens. And you need to walk in it purposely. Some people said, oh, well, um, if I step while studying the word, I should be able to study truth and expect protection. S-T-E-P. Study truth, expect protection. Does that always happen? I'm in the word and nothing's going to happen to me. Well, the devil will try to fool you into thinking that while you're at stepping, well, there might be some sort of provision if he loves you. He's going to rescue for the rescue you from this illness because he loves you. It's not going to take your husband because you study the word, and then when it happens, folks. Make a promise to the people to the left and right of you today. You're going to ignore his lies from here on out. You're going to make a choice to study God's word and practice what he asks us to practice. I'm going to ask you to play along right now a little game. Close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. I want you to think of the one thing on your mind right now in this current time that is the biggest stress in your life. Don't say it out loud. Don't tell your neighbor. What is the biggest stress in your life? Get it in your mind. I know it's a long list. Pick the biggest one. Okay. Open your eyes. If the thing that you thought of fell into one of these four categories... I just want you to raise your hand when it applies to you, okay? So if what I'm about to say touches on what you were thinking of, just raise your hand and then keep it there. It was either related to a person, a problem, a place, or the pace of your life right now. A person or people, a problem, past, present, or current, that keeps revolving around, a pace, I'm so busy, and so manic, I can't get anything done, or I can't seem to get out of bed because I am too depressed to just do anything. That's a pace. Or a place. Maybe it's home. Maybe it's work. Hopefully it's not a place of worship. You may put your hands down. Sad fact, church can be a stressful place for folks. Aside from visitors who might find it stressful as they just visit and try and figure out new layout, new faces, what songs are being sung, what do they study, what do they believe. But I'm talking about regular house of worship you attend on a regular basis now or even a previous one that drove you here. A place can also be a town. Maybe there's a bad memory in a town. The home of someone you don't agree with. Your workplace, the airport, a hotel, wherever it may be. A place you're forced to call home or just the opposite. Feeling as if you're wandering so lost you don't feel you have a single place that you can call home. Or a home place to worship. Now maybe it's a pace. Someone comes up to you and asks, how's it going? You say, busy. Busy. I'm running errands and people everywhere, I'm working on projects, I'm juggling home, I'm traveling, to a point of I'm falling asleep standing up. I'm so busy. Too busy for God, perhaps. A problem. Sometimes a problem is so persistent and in your face, it's a problem you're pushing through, and in this season, but there have been years of seasons like it, and you're feeling more and more overwhelmed by every season, one on top of the other. And then maybe there's physical pain in your body that prohibits you from focusing on today's message even. You want to walk out of here. Or maybe you've already walked out here emotionally and you're only sitting here physically in this pew. Maybe your stress came from people. We are diverse, we are unique, but we are made by God and yet sometimes our diverse way of thinking, talking and acting, allow that devil's playground and the horizontal plane to flourish with negativity about what the other person has said or done. See, the devil crafts conflict every day to distract God's people from loving one another and praying for your enemy. He's creating divisions that don't make room for forgiveness. Worst of all, he crafted the need for us to have God's only son to be sacrificed on a cross for what we have done. Zechariah states, he will rescue us from the hands of our enemies. I'm kind of a word nerd when Zechariah stated, he will rescue us from the hands of our enemies. See, the expectation of the people at the time is that God would deliver them from their circumstance of darkness and despair. But Luke 171 states, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Well then, all of a sudden, Zechariah shifts the word from to in. Luke 179 says, the rising sun will rise to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Was there any from happening there? I'm going to read it again. Salvation from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us. That was the beginning, right? But now he states, the rising sun will rise to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. So notice that shift. As God does not always rescue us from a place, He might not rescue you from that pace, the problem, or the people. Sometimes you're visited in your trouble, deep in the heart of the valley we are in, and He remains to get us through the valley. People, the thief of our peace is not a place. The thief of your peace today is not a pace, it's not a problem, it's not people. We expect God to take us out of things that sometimes we ourselves created. Mistakes are made when we try to arrange the place that we were assigned to or the people we were assigned to pray with. I don't want to pray over there. God, just pray with them and we're good. Or a problem that we prefer to deal with and leave that other problem over there. Or the people that we prefer to be with. But is that God's plan or ours. It's important to identify our source of stress because it helps us determine where we are going to seek our peace. Now let's look. Christ is born to challenge us to walk in the path of peace. No matter which category you chose, place, pace, problem, people, we have identified as our source of stress. So notice that if peace comes from people... And they walk away. What happens? Peace is gone. So what if your peace came from a a pace, and then all of a sudden the pace changed? What if your peace came from a problem, and then the problem was resolved, and... I don't know how that works. What if the peace came from places, paces, problems, or people... That's not the source of our peace. I don't want the peace from a promotion at work because I could just as easily not have a job the next day. I want the peace that this world cannot take away from me. I want the peace. It's time for us to stop waiting for people to change so that we can have peace when we sit with them. Do you need that person to change to have peace and sit with them? Peace is in every step that God is with us. And since he's in every step, if I walk this way, is he with me? If my husband passes, is he with me? Luke one to 76-80 says, To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day's spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. That verse serves as an introduction of Christ's birth and mission given to John the Baptist's parents where we first catch a glimpse of how that light, a symbol of hope, came. It enters the world and successfully combats the forms of darkness. Do you allow God to enter and shine in every part of your life? Or do you have some closed rooms in this heart that you haven't opened up all the way yet? If you fully swing those doors open today, open your heart to God's reminders of light. Through darkness, I know it can seem overwhelming, but his power of light and hope are greater. Turn the lights off and light a match. Hope begins with Christ because forgiveness and salvation is alone found in Jesus. And that is what leads to your peace, and it does not get taken away by anything on this earth. Let his light, his presence shine in you. As the sun rises, may the light shine more brightly on us than it ever has before. Jesus faced inner conflict in Gethsemane, right? Just before he was arrested, he prayed to his father, saying, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. A little later, he says, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. These prayers reveal that while he was here, Jesus' mindset before the crucifixion and his total submission to the will of God. The cup is a suffering he's about to endure. It's as if Jesus were being handed a cup of bitterness, but the expectation is he has to drink all of it. He uses the same metaphor in Matthew 20, 22. When Jesus petitions the Father, let this cup pass from me, He expresses that human desire to avoid pain. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. And his human nature struggled with the need to accept that torture. His flesh recoiled away like ours would. But he says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In praying, let this cup pass from me, he's battling the flesh. Because it likes to be self, pres- like self-preservation and comfort, the struggle was intense. If anything shows that Jesus was fully man, this is it. He knew of what was to come. The agony he faced was going to be more than physical. It's going to be more than spiritual, more than emotional. He knew that God's will was what ultimately is what he wanted. He was pierced for our transgressions and wounded for our healing because he loves mankind, but his humanity dreaded that pain and sorrow. He ultimately pays the ultimate price for our conflict with horizontal peace and inner peace. Who are we to allow the devil to continue to lie to us and convince us that he would have any power over God? Isn't it about time that you laid aside our differences, took back our horizontal peace and inner peace by focusing on the only peace that sustains them all? You have the power to stop this from having to happen again, right? You have the power to take off that conflict and lay it down at the altar, but this time leave it there. Just leave it there. Isaiah 9, 6 says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice the prophet didn't say a prince of convenience or Lisa's preferences. It's not a prince of what Lisa wanted to do today. Christ was born in a lowly place, a manger. The shepherds were the lowliest people. That's two out of four you would expect the herald to make an announcement to about the birth of the Son of God. The problem wasn't the pace. If you've ever ridden on a camel and a donkey, it's not that fast. The problem is that we expect perfection because that little voice is telling us to expect perfection and not peace. But the voice cried out to the people, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. Notice that peace is on earth, not from earth. The power of reading our Bibles carefully, amen? The peace was on earth, not from it. Jesus didn't come down looking like a deliverer as much as a dependent when he was a baby. Why? Because God wants you to know he comes bringing peace. But it's not going to be how you expect him to bring it every time. I didn't expect John to pass from cancer last year, but I still have God's peace. You didn't expect to have a place, those people, those problems, or those paces turn out the way they did. But you can still have peace. It's not always going to fit your preference. Don't let that voice lie to you. People are not always going to live up to your expectation. If you're ever, and I mean ever, going to live in peace, you have to surrender that expectation of perfection in places, people, problems, and paces. Because peace from God is not that he delivers you from something. He, in fact, sent his only son here to meet you in it. Jesus came as a a wee little babe, not a warrior. Why did he come tiny? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm at peace on the path, not because I'm not going through it, but rather because I am not going through it alone. There is always, always someone here with us, greater than anything here against us. Jesus came in weakness, to die in weakness, to be our strength on our path to peace and he met the conflict of inner peace just like you have today. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You say, I can't figure it out. God says, I will direct your steps. You say, I'm too tired. God says, I'll give you rest. You say, it's impossible. God says, all things are possible. You say, nobody loves me. God says, I love you. I can't forgive myself. I forgive you. It's not worth it. It will be worth it. I'm not smart enough. I will give you wisdom. I'm not able. Well, I am able. I can't go on. My grace is sufficient. I can't do it. You can do all things through Christ. I can't manage this. I will supply all your needs. I'm afraid. I have not given you fear. You think of that. I have not given you fear. So, who did? I feel all alone. I told you I'll never leave you. Take your burdens to the Lord. Leave it there. This is a memory of a painting, and perhaps you've seen it. Do you know what the artist intentionally left out of this painting? What? no doorknob why can only be opened from the inside is he waiting for you what do you have to do submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Stand on your feet vertically every morning and say, this comes first. You come first from here on out, no matter what. I've asked, um, before closing prayer, there's a special song by the late Joey and Rory Feek. She sang this song long before she knew she was even sick. Long before she knew she was sick. I hope it blesses you.
4: If the world from you withholds Of its silver and its gold And you have to get along Just remember in his word How he feeds the little bird Take your burden to the Lord Leave it there Leave it there Trust Him through your death, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Your body suffers pain And your health you can't regain And your soul is slowly sinking in despair Jesus knows the pain you feel He can say and He can heal Take your burden to the Lord Leave it. It there, leave it there, just take your burden to the Lord, oh, and leave it there, if you trust Him through your doubt, He will surely bring you out, take your burden to the Lord, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it, Leave it there.
2: Leave it
3: there. As we prepare for our closing song, closing song is number three oh six. Draw me near. This is my humble prayer that if you feel so moved as to come up forward with your hymnal and leave something up here at the altar once and for all and leave this sanctuary lighter than when you came in. Draw near to him. See only way. Thank you. Thank you.